This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back to What Matters Most. Wow, I'm so fortunate to have you as an audience. So my dear friend and the technical advisor, Matthew Wayne Selznick, who if you need anything for anything, get in touch with him and get in touch with him through me or the page. He has informed me that we are closing in on a half a million people have listened to this show. And we're in the half a million zone, which I started it just as a labor of love, not even a labor, a dance of love. And it's because the audience is so fabulous. And then the guests are beautiful and I just want to acknowledge the community and Matthew even said, you might want to say something about it. And I am, I never look at the numbers, but this, this has given me pause. So thank you all for tuning in. And today I have a gift for you. An incredible book has come across my path here. It's called Tom Sawyer, a modern day messenger from God, his extraordinary life and near death experiences. It's out. We have a link on the page and one of the authors is with us today. I'm just privileged to uh, welcome to the show and to the family, my new friend, Dan Chesbro. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Paul. Hey, Dan, how'd you, how'd you get into the ministry? <laughs> it's odd, Paul, because I wanted to be a doctor growing up, but I suck, I suck at math, you know, so there goes chemistry and that thing went out the window. So I said to my mom, I said, well, what, what, how long does it take to become a minister? And she said, well, I don't know, but um, you know, check into it. So I did. And from a very early on, I thought maybe I'll be a medical missionary, that kind of thing. But, uh, when I couldn't do the chemistry, I thought, well, you know, let go of that. So I went to Andover Newton Theological School in Boston, and I've always been a bit of a renegade. And I opened a coffee house in a local church there. And one of the conservative, uh, uh, Christian trustees was not happy about that. And he suggested that I go to a different seminary. <laughs> So I went from there to um, Crozer Theological School, where Dr. King had gone to school. And they were merging with Colgate Divinity School up here in Rochester, New York. So I never wanted to come to, to Colgate because I considered, you know, all their ministers like cardboard copies of each other. So, but I, I came up and I got an apartment. I was married at the time and um, went to school there. And so I graduated actually from Crozer although they had merged with Colgate Divinity School by then. So basically I went to three seminaries before you know, graduating. Then I had a church for eight years and was president of Council of Churches for a little while. But toward the end of that, um, I started getting all these uh, kind of spiritual impressions. It wasn't about religion, but I'd had a couple of near-death experiences growing up and it was kind of going into that direction. So I'm driving back to the church one night, I'm living out in the country, and my little inner voice said, well, we have a larger congregation for you. And I thought, oh, I'll be going back to Boston or Philly. And actually, it ended up being the planet. I've been around the world twice, and I've met people from all walks of life. And uh, when I met Tom Sawyer, I had a TV show at the time in local, and that's how I met him. And uh, it was an amazing journey, and it still goes on. Because you, know, you and I were talking about dreams before the show, and um, he comes to me still in my dreams and he talks to me and he teaches me. It's, it's just been incredible. It's a, that's all incredible. And I can't believe they wanted to kick you out because of the coffee house. I've read the gospels. I'm not a biblical scholar, but did Jesus speak out against coffee? Did I miss that? <laughs> no, but you know, what's funny, Paul. 
Um, one of the early popes, when they first discovered coffee, it was some guy in Turkey, I think, who had goats and they were eating all the berries off this bush and getting high. So he brewed it. And that's how supposedly coffee was found. Well, the, the, the pope thought that that was the mark of the devil until he had a couple of cups. <laughs> so here we are now drinking the devil's brew. You know? I've had these deep spiritual experiences. I can't speak for anyone else, but in my universal holistic paradigm there really is no devil although the ego could be one great pain in the ass as close as it might come but uh even that's a part of the larger divinity i see everything has gone different forms and even what we would call lower vibration or there is evil in the linear world which is just anti-life it, it's here so we can learn and have these experiences that's what i've been shown what what's your take on all that okay well, my take on that, and it's what I learned from Tom Sawyer from his death experience, because he merged with God and came back and had all this incredible insight. First of all, there is no devil. There is no evil. There is no sin. Uh, he said if there was a sin, it would be suicide, but that's not a sin. He said God is unconditional love and you're made of God. So God can't go against itself or won't, you know, but you were given free will and God would not violate that. So where we make choices that look like evil, it's just people making choices and creating things that basically are kind of antithetical of, of the good things we could be doing, you know, go on the other side of it. But yeah, I, I learned a lot from him. You know, he was dead 15 minutes, but he became one with God. And when he came back into his body, um, he knew he wasn't going to die. They took him to the hospital eventually and x-rayed him. There were no broken bones. A, a pickup truck full of firewood had fallen on him when he was under it working on the transmission and it crushed him to death, but there were no internal injuries. Will you talk about, I know it's impossible to capture with words and there's a book, but try to at least give the listeners an idea of what Tom experienced in those 15 minutes. Well, I, I can tell you because I've heard him tell the story for 10 years or more. Uh, first of all, Paul, he didn't believe in God and thought Jesus was a fairy tale. So, the first thing that happened when the truck fell on him, he went unconscious. And what he said to me was, but it was like I was waking up from a dream. Like, this is the dream and that's the reality kind of thing. So then what he woke up to, Paul, was total blackness. Now, some people who have near death think that they're going to hell because of blackness. But actually what it is, it's pure love. It's God before God invented light or imagined it or whatever. So then he saw a point of light to infinity, he said. And he realized then that there was a God. And then there was a tunnel, and he started going down the tunnel. He had a life review of his 33 years. And uh, he said, when he looked down the tunnel, he said, I realized that there was only God and there was only good. Because everything in the tunnel was good. Everything outside the tunnel was God. There's only God. So we have this illusion of separation and uh, of evil and all that kind of. It's just people using free will to create whatever to learn from you know, but it, it was phenomenal. So, but he said in his life of you, which was shook me to my core, Paul, <laughs> I'm terrible at math. As I already said, he said that when he passed over, everything in the tunnel was mathematical formula. I said, oh crap, I'm going to die and not understand it. He said, no, Chesbro, they'll give you cartoons or something. <laughs> this does not bode well for you, especially me. I'm terrible at math too. There's even the most basic quiz. Maybe that's why I have to keep coming back. Did he talk about reincarnation or anything like that? Oh, he did. He did. He said the Buddhists are the closest ones to it. 
but even they don't have anything close to what it really is. He said it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate act of love from God because it balances out all your past lives. The one we're having right now that you and I are talking to each other, this is the most important life that you've ever had. And you could have had zillions of them, but every one of them led up to this because when you pass over, you have a life review and then you get to decide, you know, what you did or didn't do in that life that maybe in another incarnation you would balance it out. So uh, I did ask him one time, I said, when it comes to reincarnation, how long does that take or how long should you take before you come back? He said, Dan, there are no rules. He said, you know, there are no rules. You could come back tomorrow. He said, I wouldn't advise it because you really need time to think about the life that you just created and what you did or didn't get from it. You get three questions from God when you have this life review. The first one is, what did you do with the life I gave you? Not in any judgmental way, like, gee, where were you after the prom kind of thing, you know? What did you do with the life I gave you? What did you love? And what did you learn? And based on those three questions, you've now seen your whole life review. So now you have all the answers. So then you know where you want to start to basically create another incarnation. Incarnate means in the flesh. And so there are some of us who will pass over and not come into a flesh body, but have uh, another in, uh, another carna- incarnation, I guess is the word, uh, in another dimension. Because this is this is a schoolroom right now. We're all in school. And nobody, Paul, leaves here until their job is done, whether they're a second old or 105. When you've completed what you came here to do, that's when you graduate. Um, he said there is no death. It doesn't exist. He said it, it's all about... Uh, life experience you cannot fail what did you learn you know so it's an it's an amazing different perspective on on how life really is compared to what we've been taught through religions and politics and all that kind of stuff yeah this is confirming everything i've ever personally experienced and and really it was all in a remembrance like every time these you know incredible satoris came through it's like oh yeah of course or yeah i somewhere in me i knew it but now I'm just remembering it. And then I still forget as I move through the world as a, a mind, body, spirit thing. But, but that said, it has removed the fear of death. And also, I don't see myself as Paul, the podcast guy. I see that as a fraction of a fraction of me. And that the essence is just kind of here. And so I try to live my life from the point of view of the essence. Like, can you imagine being in a dream, knowing it's a dream and then thinking, oh, I'm going to try to accumulate all I can that I can't take with me before I wake up. That would seem like in a form of insanity. And that's what you have here. But yet the opposite would be, maybe I'll just have a lot of beautiful experiences and try to be as loving as possible and figure out boundaries and bask in the mystery and then start playing with it because it's highly interactive if you're open. Yeah, it's a gotcha, Paul, because, you know, there's no judgment. So there's nothing you can do right or wrong. It just is, you know, and you have all these experiences and then like, what did you learn from what you created kind of thing? So the, the key said he said was to um, attempt to give unconditional love. He said, it's almost impossible for, to hold on to that like every day for, you know, 24 seven, but he said, try and stay in your body as long as you can. It was interesting, Paul, because he and Buddha said the same thing about life. He said, you have to be born you have to live a while and you have to die. And Buddhist Buddhist said, you have to be born, you have to live a while, you have to get sick, and then you have to die. I think I like Tom's version better. When Tom was in the light, did he have a reluctance to come back? Because I found that a lot of people that are in that situation, it's the genie doesn't want to go back into the bottle, especially if there's all kinds of physical pain. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he actually didn't, Paul, because um, when he died at 33 years old, which is kind of a magical number in itself, when he died, uh, God reminded him that they had a contract, that he agreed to die at 33 to help to prevent nuclear wars and that kind of thing, which is what he did do. You know, so um, uh, he emerged, became one with God. And then he would joke and say to you, well, Paul, I was the only guy kicked out of heaven. He was not kicked out of heaven. He, he separated from God. He went back into that, that body that was his before the accident. So actually what came into that body was more of God and less of Tom. And he certainly demonstrated that, you know, for all the years that I knew him. He was un unbelievable, whatever he was. This world right now, for everyone listening, seems incredibly broken, chaotic, so much suffering. 99% of it is self-created. All the fear, the greed, these lower vibrations, not all of us, but I feel like we can figure out who we are in relation to all of this, that like we could still be a godlike being in a body imperfectly, but yet, and still moving around the leper colony, so to speak. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What we're going through right now, Tom explained this to me uh, many years ago. He said, you're going to be going through something called the transition, uh, the great transition. It's the end of the patriarchate, which is why all these men are waging wars and being grateful and all that. But he said, it's inevitable. We're, we're doomed to perfection. We're going to have equality among all sentient beings, not just the two-leggeds, but the tree people and everybody. And what we're headed to, we've got global rising, uh, water rising, as you know. Uh, he said that'll be 20 to 40 feet from where it is right now. And that's happened before in history, prehistory. Um, we're going to have a lot of mass migration because of that. Um, we've got these viruses coming. He told me there was one coming after HIV that is much worse. And a lot of folks are going to go home because of it. But, you know, the process is not doom and gloom, Paul. It's all about the end result. The end result is this. After patriarchy is diminished and all that other, and we've gone through all these climate changes and whatnot, what we are headed to, he said, was called the peaceable kingdom. It's where we'll learn to get along with each other. We'll take care of one another. And the tree people and the snake people, everybody's into it. We're all created from God, you know, but, but we've lost our, our sense for what that's all about. So after all of this travail, you know, there's going to be the peaceable kingdom. So, you know, this is not fun. I mean, I was talking to my co-editor, Jim, last night about it. And he said he was getting rather depressed thinking about all the, the stuff that's going on in the world. I said, I totally agree, Jim, but we're, we're going to go through this for a while until it balances out. It's all about balance, you know, so people like Putin, et cetera, you know, they're, they're, it's a free will choice and his pride will not let him back down. So he's kind of stuck in himself, you know. But a friend of mine said, I have a hard time loving him. I said, well, you've got to remember this. When Putin passes over, and he will, everybody does, he's going to have a life review. But in his life review, he now has tens of thousands of people whose lives have been ruined and distorted and, and uh, wiped out. And, and he won't be responsible for that. But he has to know that because he made his free will choices, that was the result of it. And then he'll be aware of what choices they had to make. But there's no judgment. He's kind of like, you know, I used to be in theater when I was much younger and uh, had a chance to do some film work and all that stuff. But, you know, the, the best roles were the villains. You, you got the best lines, the best parts. And really, Paul, really. And so the whole drama pivots about the villain. And so when we got somebody like Putin or Hitler or whatever coming in here, they're playing the role of the villain. So who wants to be the bad guy? I'll do it. All right. You get in there and, and do what you can do. 
because the, the end result is going to be the peaceful kingdom. And unfortunately, God, we've got all this stuff we're going through. I mean, look at our own country, all the, the, the trouble that we're going through with all these shootings and, and the, the uh, supremacist groups and all that. But it's all going toward a good end. But we're going to have to go through this to get there, unfortunately. Well, uh, I think it's worth a little suffering if only the white patriarchy goes away with all its hate and <laughs> misogyny right. and bigotry and racism. And they're so desperate and clinging. And then the other thing is, if emancipation from form is the greatest thing that ever happened to us, it really flips the whole thing on its head that if somebody, even if they're a piece of shit in this realm, if they emancipate two million souls who then go on to glory, I'm not saying... It's such a paradox, Dan, because they're like, nothing matters, but every moment's sacred. It's like, huh? I had to walk around with that one for a month. And then it doesn't matter if you live or die, but oh, don't kill the spider, catch him and put him outside. Oh, okay. Don't hurt anything. Never kill anything you don't have to. And if you're going to eat a piece of meat, bless the animal that gave its life so you can eat. And even bless the kale that grew and you ate it or whatever and... And then bless everything in gratitude, man. And if somebody's about to blow your head off, said, hey, let me say a prayer for us. I must have blown your head off. Or maybe I, I, I had a thought that I didn't want to be here anymore. Do me a favor. Don't miss because then I want to come back as a paraplegic. Put it right here on a. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, there's a story about Buddha. And, and he was going to this place where he knew he would be eating some tainted meat and he would die from it. So on the way there, he met this murderer who was under a tree. and. His goal was to murder like 23 people or something. And he was up to 22. And so Buddha said, well, look, kill me because then you'll reach your goal and I'm going to die anyway. So it doesn't matter. Well, the, right, right. But the end result was the guy was transformed from that, that decision. And he became then a Buddhist or one of the followers or something. But, you know, it may not be a true story, but it's a fun story. But it, it's an amazing, uh, there, there is no death. You can't destroy energy. You know, so we live forever. We were created before the universe, for God's sake. You know, so um, this is the fourth time that time is coming to an end. The whole universe is going to collapse on itself. It takes billions of years to expand, but only millions to contract. But then when it does that, all this energy, if you can even imagine this, which is impossible, all the energy that is the universe will go right down to a single point and then will explode again and there'll be a big bang. And then here comes the fifth universe. So, um that's way far away from now. But uh, Tom laughed and he said, Chesbro, you're not going to get whiplash. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's my whole thing since I'm sort of a wimpy baby. It's like, I don't mind dying. Just I don't want no, no pain. I'm, I'm with you, Paul. Make sure the shark bites me in half. I don't want to feel anything. So where I want to go in my sleep, like I just stay in the dream. And I, I, was, I, was, I was telling you before you came on, I have dinner all the time or I hang out with my parents who have passed. Then I say goodbye and I wake up here and I miss them or or I'm there and I'm like sitting around. And they walk through the door, my dad or somebody. And I burst into tears like I would here if you walk through the door. We hang out and I imagine the dream will be just when I'm done. I just won't have to go. I'll just stay there and then probably move on in infinite realms. You know, Paul, I have this reoccurring dream that I'm in Philadelphia because I've lived there a couple of times over the years and I've got a car. That's a nightmare, Dan. That's a nightmare <laughs> I agree. And I can't find my car. I can't find my keys. I can see the bridge that I have to cross to, to get out of Philly, but I can never can get there. So I said to my friend the other day, I said, oh, my God, if I ever get to that bridge and grow over, I'm not going to be coming back. 
you know, and that's fine. That's fine. I've, I've still got a lot of work to do. I'll be 78 next month. And this is my third book that's come out. And there's more coming. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating writing a book about um, uh, reincarnation and the life review, a combination of those two ideas. Because I think it would be important for a lot of people to realize the harmony and the bliss that comes from having the experience of having many incarnations and, and what the life review teaches you about your last one. So I haven't started it yet, but you know what's odd? I was thinking about it, and my editor said, uh, the third book, I think I'm done with that. I said, okay. So I called him up one night. I said, Jim, are you sitting down? He said, yeah, why? I said, well, there's another one coming, and it's about reincarnation and life. And he said, oh, my God, I've already started the research. Hey, where does Jesus fit in all this stuff? I have a very personal relationship with him, and I have to admit, I didn't believe in him. I wasn't religious. I thought it was a crock. And then this being, the being kept coming. And I kind of knew who it was, but my ego was like, no, we're not going to call him that. And he's like, well, call me uh, Isa. All right, I'll call you Isa. I found out later St. Isa in India. And then I had about eight or nine psychics go, you know, Jesus is with you. And I'd be like, well, I don't believe in Jesus. Like a fish that didn't believe in water, no pun intended. But then finally it's like, okay. And I mean, you talk about a great sense of humor but never said, I am the only way I am a way, you know, he, and he's like, give me all this stuff. And he's like, here to set the record straight for me, will you? And I said, no way. I don't want to end up at a cross like you, you tell them. He said, they didn't listen to me. <laughs> you know, it, get, what's your take on that, on uh, that beautiful soul? Well, when you look at, do, are you familiar, Paul, with Edgar Casey's work? Oh man, you're blowing me away. So I was in an ashram and I went into deep meditation and in the meditation, Jesus came and he told me where he went to India, Persia, Egypt. He learned this. His name was Isa. He gives me like 80 facts. So I went and saw the master of the ashram. And I said, man, I had a wild meditation. I told him about it. And he said, oh, yeah, that's all. Go read the life of Jesus Christ, Edgar Casey, And it confirmed 99% of what I was given. I had never heard of Edgar Casey at that point. Yeah. The, the Buddhists have some records of St. Isa. It was when Jesus went up into um, uh, a place called Hemus, which is now considered part of uh, northern India and or Tibet. And, uh, and he studied there and he went to Turkey. He went to uh, Greece. Uh, he went to India. Uh, they chased him out of India because he didn't go along with the caste system. So he escaped and went farther north into what is now Tibet. But yeah, there was that whole incarnation. He went to England and um, uh, with his, uh, his uh, uncle. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, they took him around. Yeah. So it, it's an amazing thing. Now, when you look at Edgar Casey, he talks about the past lives of Jesus Christ. And one of those was uh, Amelius, whom we call Adam. And then another one after that was uh, um, uh, Melchizedek or Melchizedek. And it goes on to Jeshua, Joshua, Jesus. And then Tom implied, which is really kind of interesting, that uh, Albert Einstein was a Christed being that he said, look at what he brought. You know, he gave us mathematical formula that was still playing with. And then at the end of Tom's life, he took off his mask and he said, okay, uh, I am a Christed being. I came because Jesus didn't. And I think that's going to really offend a lot of people, but it is what it is, you know? So um, it, it, it was an amazing life to, to uh, be with him for so many years and to watch him do so many things. Paul, the day I met him on my TV show, um, my manager called and said, would you like to know who's to be on the show this week? I said, yeah, you got, and we have Tom Sawyer. And I laughed and I said, right. And Huckleberry 
Lipton and Becky Thatcher. He said, no, no, no. This guy had, had an, a death experience. You've read Raymond Moody, Life After Life. I said, yeah. He, she said, well, it's kind of like that. Well, then I met him and we did the TV show. And every time he remembered being with God, he would start to cry. We'd have to shut the show down and, and then crank it back up again when he could get ready to talk again. It was out of joy that he cried. And that afternoon we were going out for lunch and we got to this corner off of Lake Avenue here in Rochester where we had to take a right. And the, it had snowed. It was early February. And there was a bus, a BUS, stuck in the snow on the corner. He stopped the car. He left it running. I was in the passenger seat. Paul, he got behind the bus and he pushed it out of the snowbank. Right. <laughs> then we went to lunch. And during lunch, he told me how all the dinosaurs died. This was long before everybody started talking about asteroids and all that. He said, God caused a vapor to go around the world, which now we know was iridium. It was the dust from the collision. And he said, within 36 hours, all the, the giant animals were either frozen or fried, and those that could burrow survived. And of course, we're the remnants of that right now. You know, we're the remnants of the mammals that lived through that, that, uh, that eclipse. But uh, yeah, that, that was just amazing. He talked a lot about Jesus. We asked him one time if he would tell us about Jesus. He said, no, you couldn't handle it. He said, Jesus was a, a, a unique creation that God brought into the world to, to help the world to progress evolutionary spiritually. And, uh, you know, when, when he first said that, I got a little taken back, like, who are you to say I couldn't understand it? But I, I've known him for so long and understood that I totally trusted what he said. So it didn't matter, you know. But that, that Jesus was a, another incarnation of the Christed energy that came in uh, as Amelius and Adam and then Melchizedek and it went on from there. Yeah, so it, it's, it's amazing. And all that's an anger casing. What about Mary Magdalene? Se several people say she was his equal and his teacher. She was just embodied in the divine feminine. Uh, his equal was his mother, Mary. Wow. Yeah, she was the feminine side. You know, God's yin and yang and beyond that. So Jesus represented the male part of the energy and, and his mother, Miriam, represented the, the feminine part. And I never heard Tom talk about Jesus and Mary Magdalene having been married and had kids and all that stuff. He said his, his journey was to come here to have a life, to, to be executed, and then to raise from the dead to tell people that death, death doesn't exist. And, you know, basically Tom did not have a near-death experience. I had a little bit of a problem with the cover of the book because... They said, well, you're going to learn about all these extraordinary near-death experiences. Well, he didn't have a near-death. Paul, he totally died. And, and so he went down the tunnel. He became one with God. Then he came back. So in a sense, he was a resurrected being when he came back into that body. I know. It's amazing. And, and to watch him do what he did, I mean... He almost never made eye contact. If you and, and when Tom were talking right now, he would be looking around the room, but not looking into your eyes because he was afraid that if you looked into his eyes, you would see eternity and you couldn't handle it and it would destroy you. So he always averted his eyes when he was talking. And, and to talk to him, he already knew what you're going to say. So he would just be patient and wait for you to finish. And then he would talk to you about, you know, uh, different things you would bring up. But my, my, my editor, Jim, said, well, why didn't you ask him questions? I said, you don't understand. It's like you're sitting with God. What are you going to ask? What's so important that you're going to ask any question? I think the only question that I remember asking was about reincarnation. He said, well, Dan, there, there are no rules. You know that. There are no rules. Do you remember rules? I said, no. He said, no, there are none. There are no rules. You know, there's only God. There's only good. 
And unfortunately, right now in our history and at this time we're living in, there's a big distortion about reality, about you know evil and sin and judgment and all this kind of malarkey. So hopefully when this is all settled down and, and the dust settles, we'll get back to the greater reality and be able to live together, not just with us two-leggeds, but all the other beings who are here. You know what's interesting about the other creatures and, and uh, like the tree people and the, and the other mammals is that is God in the form of that animal evolving, but it doesn't have free will. We have free will. We're mammals also. We're part mammal, but we've got free will. So, oh, you're going to love this. So when, when Tom died the first time, because he died like two times before he finally stayed over, when he died the first time, God said to him, well, they weren't talking like you and I. He said it was like superluminal telecommunication. It was unbelievable. But but God said to him, Tom, about uh, about free will, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> but it, it's like once you let the genie out of the bottle, it's not going to go back in. You know, but but there's no judgment. So you can free will. You can create hell on earth if you want to. And God's going to say, well, kid, what did you learn? How did Tom describe God? I know it's an ineffable thing. It's obviously not a personification of an old man. No, no, there was none. He said God is spirit. He said it's ultimate love. It's it's unconditional love. You know, when he first met God, God was just total blackness, but it was the, the purest form of love that there can be. And then God imagined light, and then it, it, it split from itself. And then beyond the light, God, uh, through through that, that spectrum of light, created the seven rays of the seven rainbow colors and all that. Or you've probably heard of the lords of the seven rays. That's what that refers to. But uh, all of us are a part of that. I mean, my basic aura color is green. It's not easy being green. <laughs> but everybody has a basic aura color, and you're, you're sort of guided by that. And then astrological information. Because, you know, you sat around for maybe 200 years and plotted this whole thing out. He said, well, I want to be Paul, the, the, the podcaster, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I said, okay. And, and then you come here, and you get born, and you create your, 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 uh, your uh, gender, your, your, your skin tones, all of that. It's, it's all set by you. There's no predestination. It's what you precasted before you got here. And then you step into it, and then you forget everything. It's like, excuse me? I don't remember any of that. No, but you're doing it, aren't you? What about an archangel like Michael? Where does he fit into this hierarchy? <laughs> well, are you sitting down somewhere? I hope you are. Um, there, there is no hierarchy. I know. Second I said the word, I knew I messed up. There's no such thing as a hierarchy. Oh, you didn't mess up, for God's sake. No, but there is none. All it is is God in another form of itself. So the ancient people believe that uh, Michael, Metatron, Melchizedek, all of them were all basically the same. And in essence, they really were, because all it was was God diversifying, you know. So um, because I was raised Protestant, but when I was given this call to call the priest to the order of Melchizedek, I mean, I've been through three seminaries, seminary, they never even mentioned the name. And yet I knew they were protected by St. Michael and all of that, which is an expression of, of God, you know. So uh, it, it's it's it is and it has been an amazing journey, you know. You know, this this book coming out at this particular time is amazing because it was written five or six years ago, and it took me four years to put it together, and and I was never totally satisfied with it. But anyway, um, we sent it off to in a manuscript to get published, and uh, Findoon Press was my publisher before this, and um, I never heard a thing. Two years go by. I go, well, 
it was probably dismissed or lost on a desk somewhere. And then the pandemic hit. And then my little inner voice said, well, call, call a traditional beer company, whatever it's called, and uh, ask about it because there are a couple of publishing houses under one roof. So I got a hold of this guy named John, J-O-N, and I told him about the manuscript. He said, Dan, I've never heard about that. I haven't seen it. Let me look into it. Well, he did. And they found the thing and they, they got through it and they said, oh, my God. So within about six months, uh, Simon & Schuster had par- purchased uh, Fintorn Press. So now Simon & Schuster owned this book. And what's good about that is uh, they have international distribution. So Tokyo, Berlin, Germany, it will open on all those courts on July 12th, which is um, and that would not have happened before the pandemic. It's amazing. It's all synchronized in perfection, isn't it? Yes, it is, Paul. Yeah, totally. You couldn't imagine this any better. I mean, you couldn't. You know, if you sat around and thought, now, how would this work and what would I do for that? You, you just couldn't imagine. And it's all perfect. You know, when, when the book was it getting uh, touched at all, uh, the voice said to me, um, leave it alone. I said, <laughs> what choice do I have? I can't do anything about it. And I'm waiting to hear it said, just leave it alone. And that went on for two years. And then finally they said, call, call the company. And that's when it started and it went from there. But in that time period, Paul, that's when Simon & Schuster acquired Fintuan Press and all that. And so that made this book possible for international distribution. And they're doing a bang up job. I mean, our, our conversation today is a part of it. I'm grateful. How does a listener anywhere around the world put themselves in this kind of flow? It's democratic. Anyone can do it. Is there any guidance you could offer to, to help people kind of just be in touch with this sort of the spirit, live in the spirit, love in the spirit? Well, you know, it's an old thing, and I know you know it. It said, be still and know that I am. You know, you have, you have to sit or, or you don't have to meditate. You just have to sit and listen, be quiet, because God's everywhere. God's in, in your body. God's all around you, you know. But because of free will, you can believe that that's not true. And it's not the truth, but it's your truth. So the, the minute you choose to allow yourself to be loved unconditionally, which is really hard for most people, I said, do you love yourself? And they'll say, well, I'm trying. You know, if I muscle tested them, they'd come up weak. The answer is, yes, I do. You know, one, one time Tom was teaching, he said, you know, there are only two beings in the entire universe who can give you unconditional love. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, who are these people? He said, you're one for yourself and God is the other. And 50 percent of the battles won. So why are you holding out? Oh, well, I can't thank you enough for this. This is just such a generous gift. Will you come back when the, not, when the other book comes out and we can just do this again? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I, I would love to. Yeah, I, I had one of my students a couple of weeks ago in Michigan say, you know, in your first book, you said that um, you wouldn't publish the book about Tom Sawyer until you had died. And then after you died, the book would come out. And I said, well, that almost happened. I had an accident where there are no accidents, but I slipped and fell on the deck by my pool last summer. And there was a couple of inches from me to this square that was about four by four. And I looked down there and I knew that if I fell in that hole, I would die. So my legs are going backwards. I'm slipping on this, on this uh, uh, dew, you know, and I'm falling backwards and I'm screaming at God and Tom. And I said, no, I'm not coming. I've got too much to do. I've got to get this book done, you know? So now, months later, months later, Tom showed up in a dream. He said, Chesbro, I offered you a chance to leave, but you screamed and you said no. And 
really fall. And I started crying in the dream because that's exactly what happened. Nobody was around. Nobody heard me screaming and yelling at Tom and God. But he said to me, you know, he said, you're going to live to be an old woman and I'm ending all you have yet to do. Well, I consider 78 up there. <laughs> but I guess there's still more tread on these tires. So, and, and one day he said to me, well, where are your books? Plural. And I hadn't written anything at that point. So when, when the Tom storybook was finally completed, I thought, oh, I'm done. And then um, I'm looking at Facebook on a quote that I made several years ago while I was flying somewhere to North Carolina. And there was a voice talking to me in the plane, and it uh, was reminding me about this book that I had I had agreed to write about reincarnation. I said, I don't remember that. But obviously, I, I, I had that experience. So then I started thinking, okay. Let's see what happens. And then, of course, Jim had already started the research. So I've, I've got a couple of gals up in Ottawa, Canada, who are going to help me with it and some other you know, nearby people. But I, I think it's going to help a lot of people. I think the Tom Sawyer book is a shocker because it flies in the face of all traditional religion and all that kind of stuff about what's going on. You know, So um, they, they, they can look at it. The thing that I know, Paul, about truth is your higher power knows it's true. Your, your lower self may have been groomed in hatred and misinformation and all that. It would poo-poo the whole thing. But your higher power will recognize it and will open the doors for you if you let it. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light.